Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Gardner, and I talk about traumatic brain injury recovery. And today I'm pleased to be speaking with Dr. Arnold Purish, neuropsychologist. Traumatic brain injury recovery. When you see cognitive impairment on the test results, is that because of brain damage only, or are there other factors that could account for that? Oh, there's all sorts of things that go into it. So we take certain populations and we look at risk factors, okay? And one risk factor for traumatic brain injury is being a risk taker, right? And, you know, you can get adolescent males at the testosterone factor. There's drinking, there's drugs. There's a very high base rate of things like emotional dysregulation disorders, like attention deficit disorders. Oftentimes, these people may have learning disorders. And so when they come to a neuropsychologist for evaluation, we know that even if they didn't have the head injury, if they had a history of alcohol abuse, if they've had a history of attention deficit disorder, if they've had a history of dyslexia, all of these things are going to show up on their current testing. The evaluation only tells you how they're functioning at this point in time. We need to sort out through history and through, as a neuropsychologist, we learn what sort of patterns may look like it's due to the head injury versus due to ADHD versus dyslexia versus alcohol abuse and so on. So that everything comes to play. So on the test results themselves, can you distinguish between brain damage and pain and medication effect and anxiety and depression? Is there a way to do that apart from the clinical history that you take? You are bringing another set of factors. My, my prior answer basically said anything that directly affects the brain, right? ADHD, dyslexia, alcohol abuse. But you're bringing up things like pain, anxiety, and depression, or the fact that the person doesn't want to be there and you're making them go through it. So motivation may be a factor as well. Maybe I'm getting them on a day that they haven't had too much sleep, or maybe they have a cold or they're, uh, they're feeling nauseous. Maybe they have significant psychiatric problems. They have paranoid delusions about the, the tester. Maybe they are where English is a second language and our tests were not, uh, the, the scores were not developed in that, that sort of group. Basically, I can list you a couple of dozen factors that could impact the test results. And one thing we know is that oftentimes when you have emotional factors, they tend to give you inconsistent test results. The example I said before, let's just say I give someone a test of attention concentration and they're anxious. They may do poorly on that. They can't concentrate when they're anxious. But if I give the same test or a very similar test later on and they're calm, they may do fine. The brain generally does not have that sort of inconsistency. If you do well on a certain test that requires certain, you should expect the person more or less to do well on other tests that require the same abilities. And if they don't do well on those other tests, there may be other things those other tests measure that that first test didn't, okay? So we look for consistencies and inconsistencies, but at the end of the day, Ultimately, we have to say something simply don't make sense, and we have to run just the test results. We need to do our clinical interview, our observations, read the records, that sort of thing. Talk to family members, collateral sources. So it's more than just the testing. It's helpful to get data from outside sources apart from the testing itself. Please let me know in the comments what questions you have and what other topics you'd like me to discuss.